What's up, everybody? We got the Open Championship 2021 after a year off. Uh, we are flying back across the pond to have the Open once again. Uh, the course this year is Royal St. George's Golf Course. It is in Sandwich, Kent, England. I don't know why there's three of them there. I don't know what's the city. And I don't know if it's actually pronounced sandwich, but it's spelled sandwich. But we're back in England. Uh, we have a par 70, two par fives. Both of them are about, one's 547, one's 566. So not long at all for the par fives. And then we have four par threes. Two are kind of mid-length, and then two are very long, about 240, 240 plus, and then the rest are par fours of varying lengths. Um, it was canceled last year, but it's back on again for the Open Championship, and obviously it bounces around to a different course every year. Um, but... If you look at my course history or event history data on my spreadsheets, just know that when you see the 2020 year, 2019 year, 2018 year, it's all the year before. So if it's 2020, it was actually the 2019 Open Championship where Shane Lowry won it. So you just got to kind of keep that in mind when you're looking at the course history stuff. Course was founded in 1887 by Laidlaw Purves. Uh, that's the name of a real human being, I guess. This is going to be the 15th time that Royal St. George's Golf Course has hosted the Open Championship. The last time was in 2011 where Darren Clark won it. I believe his winning score was 4 or 5 under. So it, it can play very tough here, but Greg Norman won it. I can't remember the exact year, but he won it at 13 under, so you can score a little bit here if the conditions are right. Um, Link style, obviously, it's in the dunes. Uh, weather can be a problem. Wind can be a problem. So that's going to be something to look into as the as the uh, days get closer here to Thursday. Fescue, if you get a little uh, far off of the fairway. Bunkers are pretty bad, and one of the, I think it might be the deepest bunker in, I can't remember what the stat was, but it's just a really deep bunker on number four. They call the Himalaya, I think. So you'll see that, that's pretty gnarly. There's undulation, so you're going to have a lot of shots with the ball above your feet, below your feet, and then a couple different spots where you can go OB. And those are the kind of the main defenses along with the weather at this course that kind of make it a little bit tougher to play. The key stats that we're looking at for this week is just generic stuff because it's at different courses every year. And my stats pull from the PGA's website. And every year you have a bunch of foreign guys playing it that don't have stats. So it's kind of hard and hit or miss to get some stat correlations from that. So I wouldn't really look too much at, at stats this week. 
Um, but what I saw popped in a couple of the years is strokes gained around the green and scrambling. So I think that just goes to show every once in a while when the conditions get real tough, it just helps if you can get up and down from around the greens or if you get in trouble, kind of save your own butt. So those are uh, maybe some stat, maybe throw a couple of lineups together with some scrambling guys and whatnot if you want to go that route, especially if the weather looks like it's going to be bad. This is huge right here. The field, 13 guys have withdrawn already from the tournament. Some COVID protocols. Hideki had COVID a few weeks back. He can't go. Bubba Watson was exposed to COVID, so he can't go. Um, I think Zach Johnson, same story with him as Bubba Watson. He was exposed, can't go. So they're a little bit stricter on, on the travel restrictions and COVID protocols. So it wouldn't surprise me. There's been 13 guys so far that can't play and had to WD. It wouldn't surprise me if in the next couple days we have a couple more late guys drop out. So that'd be something to watch. And then South Koreans, you got Sung J.M., Siwoo Kim. Um, they are required to serve two years in the military, I believe, in South Korea, unless you win. I thought I heard it was an Olympic gold medal, but it might just be an Olympic medal. So they're going to take this time off to get ready for Olympic golf so that they can try and win a medal so they don't have to serve in the military. So those guys aren't going, but... This is the list of the 13 guys so far. Cameron Davis isn't going. Um, Louis De Jaeger isn't going. David Duvall, Sung J.M., Zach Johnson, Siwoo Kim, Danny Lee, K.H. Lee, Hideki Matsuyama, Ryan Moore, Kevin Na, Bubba Watson, Matthew Wolf. So a bunch of guys so far. Very restricted on the traveling and the COVID protocols. So the next few days, we might have a couple bumps show up. So that will be huge, especially if somebody like John Rahm, who is the highest priced guy and the favorite to win it, he had to withdraw from a tournament a few weeks before Hideki Matsuyama. So it wouldn't surprise me if something like that last minute shows up and then he's in 25% of uh, the teams on, a, you know, the big DraftKings pools, or some people would probably last minute pull him out, but he could still, even a high ownership guy like that that gets bumped late could still have, you know, 10% ownership in some of those tournament pools. So that'd be something to watch where you could, uh, if you had him in the lineup, you could fade him. And then you would get a big edge on the rest of the pool. Uh, my strategy for this week is a lot of old timers that are golfing. And then guys that qualify from overseas that maybe aren't as skilled. Uh, I haven't looked too closely at the odds. And they don't have everything ironed out yet. Like DraftKings had... It was like close to 170 golfers in their in their pool that you can pick from, but obviously it's gonna get whittled down to 156. Fanduel had a different number. 
you go on to different sports books and they have different numbers of guys. So it's the, the, the whole player pool right now is way up in the air. So it's kind of hard to gauge this. But if you're picking guys and you see you want to go down and pick some stars and scrubs, you go down to the scrubs and you're like, I recognize this name or I want to pick this guy. I would look at their odds to win. And if they're 500 to one or 1,000 to one to win it, you probably shouldn't be picking that guy or 400 to one just because they're not going to have a chance to, you know, even top 20. So I probably look at odds this week to tell like who, okay, who are the old timers and the just low skilled guys that shouldn't even be here right now that aren't going to compete. Like, so you just know who to avoid. And then again, check the weather. If the weather looks like it's going to be rough in the morning and then ease up in the afternoon or vice versa, then you can create some lineups or maybe pick a first-round leader um, that has a beneficial uh, tee time. So watch the weather and then watch the you know players having to withdraw the next couple days. Okay. Now I will get into the picks and the bets that I'm rolling with for this week. First cash play, I'm going with Xander Shoffley. Um, he missed the cut at the PGA Championship, but he traveled overseas for the Scottish Open, which was last week. Top 10 there. Top 10 at the U.S. Open, his event before that. 11th place at the Memorial before that. The missed cut at the PGA Championship, and then the Wells Fargo 14th place. Masters 3rd. So, he's just been rock solid lately. And what I really love is he is 3-for-3 three three in cuts at the Open Championship 2019, 2018, 2017. His worst finish was last year, or two years ago, 2019, 41st place. That was his worst finish of his three attempts there. Runner-up the year before that, and then 20th place the year before that. So, I just feel like he's... Uh, been real consistent lately, plays well here, plays well in the bigger events, typically not really scared. So I love Xander, and especially as a cash play, I feel like he could, he just saves you a little money from having to go up and play Dustin Johnson, Brooks Koepka, Roy McIlroy, John Rahm above that. And all all four of those guys have a little bit of their drawbacks, just like Xander does. But I th I feel like it's at the same rate, so it's like you're getting more bang for your buck going down to Xander there. My second cash play is a guy that I don't usually love to play, but Louis Oosthuizen. He has been amazing lately. He turned it around. His last four events, three top tens, two runner-up finishes, and his two runner-up finishes were in the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship. So. Playing really well at the big events. I know that probably means that he looks like a cash play. And his ownership's a little bit higher, but nothing crazy in this area. And I think that's because of his name. And he's he's pinched between Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland. Guys that have win equity, so it's not the sexiest pick. But I feel like it's a great cash play. Especially because he, he's played well overseas. He's from South Africa. He finished runner-up at the Open in 2015. Missed the cut the next two years. 
But then his last two years in the Opens, 28th and 20th, he's always been a good scrambler, good with his short game. Just, you know, pretty experienced guy that has played a lot in big big events and done well in big events. So I like I like Louie as a cash play for this week. Tony Finau is my next cash play. Well, I guess I should name off the prices there. Xander was 10000 on DraftKings. Louis 9300 on DraftKings. Then we're going to drop down a little bit. Tony Finau, 8400 on DraftKings. And this is just almost strictly based off of his um, open championship finishes in the past. Two years ago, the last time they had it, he was third at the Open. He was ninth the year before, 27th the year before that, and 18th the year before that. So he's played in the Open four times. His worst finish is 27th. He is coming off of back-to-back missed cuts. But that was a ways in the past. I think he's kind of taken some time to really step away from the game and hopefully work on some things and get back to where he was. Because before those two missed cuts, it was 32nd, it was 20th, and it was 8th at the PGA Championship. So I, you know, I don't, he's kind of a hybrid. Tony, I think his ownership isn't projected to be too high. But he's played so well at the U.S. Open, or the the Open Championship, that I feel like you could just slot him right back into a cash play because he is such a, he's such a good scorer and he can do well in this event. Next cash play is 8,300 right below him. Webb Simpson also missed his last two cuts. But, again, like Tony, has done well in this event. He's 5 for 5 in his last 5 cuts at the Open Championship. His worst finish is 40th place. Um you know, great scrambler. I think he he might be the best scrambler on tour this year. So I feel like people will overlook Tony and Webb. These are two guys that you can go cash lineup or GPP lineups on just because Tony scores so well. And Webb's, his floor is usually really solid. And he has win equity. So I love those two this week. And they're right at 8,400, 8,300, which is your average player that you can buy this week. My next play is Sergio Garcia for cash plays. Sergio is 7,600 this week. Back-to-back top 20 finishes. 19th at the U.S. Open in his last event. Hasn't been too great here lately, but he was in 2016 at the Open. I keep saying here, but it's at the Open. It's at a different course, but in this event. 2016, he was 5th. 2015, he was 6th. So he can play well in this event. Um, he's He looks to be in good form right now. So I kind of like Sergio in a cash lineup at 7600 at, you know, a little bit of a discount, so that'll give you more room to play with above it. Next one, Harris English. He had kind of a rocky start to this year, uh, but his last two years before, if you exclude that rocky stretch that he's had last, you know, two, three years, he's been playing great golf. He just honed it back in, got a win at the Travelers, 
third place at the U.S. Open, um, 14th the week before that. So that's three weeks in a row, uh, two top fives, a win being one of them in a 14th place finish. He hasn't played in the Open since 2016. That kind of scares me a little bit, but I'm sure he's been over there and he's been playing a little bit and he's kind of used to the you know the time difference and everything and he's he's a guy that's been around a little bit and he's just starting to get back to his really good form that he was in so I like him still here as a cash play and then my last cash play kind of like a Sergio play here but we're going Ian Poulter 7200 Harris English was 7300 not sure if I said that or not but Poulter has just been Solid. His last six events on tour, PGA Championship, 30th. Third, Charles Schwab, 25th at the Palmetto, 40th at U.S. Open, 36th at the Travelers, and fourth last week at the Scottish Open. He missed his last two cuts at the Open, but in 2017, he was 14th. So, you know, kind of rocky finishes at the Open. But I feel like he's he's playing so well now and he just went overseas and showed that he can play, you know, in Europe at that same level. I think he's ready to go this week. So I like Ian Poulter as a as a cash lineup play, seventy two hundred. My big tournament plays for this week are your GPP plays. Rory. I've been huge on Rory. He won at the Wells Fargo. I'm not sure if I was on him that week or not. I can't remember. I'm on him this week again for first-round leader, but he's just been real up or down. But he has a miscut his last time out at the Open, but three straight top fives before that. His ownership is like 9%, whereas Rom Rom and Kepka and DJ are all... I think like 15% or north of that, even 20% is what they're projected to to go out at, some of them. And Rory's like down at nine. So tournament play, I feel like Rory could be a huge steal here at 10,900. My next one is Bryson, who I, I think this is just based off of his open history in general. His, you know, he's got a new caddy. He just had the the match with with Phil and Brady and Rogers. So I think people think he's kind of distracted, kind of out of it right now. And, you know, he missed two of his last three, two of his, I think, only three times playing at the Open. And his best finish is 51st. And that was 2018. So I feel like people don't think he plays well here. Got a new caddy, distracted with the match and everything. He missed his last cut at the Rocket Mortgage. You know, last time he was in the top 10 was seven events ago at the Wells Fargo. So his ownership is going to be down near, it looks like, you know, single digits, 5% almost. So I love Bryson as a play. He's a guy that can easily go out and win this thing. And that really wouldn't surprise that many people. But nobody's on him. Bryson at 9900 Will Zalatoris is my next GPP play, and he's another guy, super low-owned. He had a really good stretch of, you know, second place at the Masters, eighth at the PGA Championship. 
been rocky ever since then. He missed the cut at the U.S. Open. But, I mean, U.S. Open always plays hard. That's really a tricky one to gauge. But he played the Scottish Open last week, 26. So that's good sign there. And he's just lower ownership than everybody around him in that area. Just because he's young and probably the U.S. Open, people still have that fresh in their mind that, oh, he, you know, he missed the cut pretty bad there. And this is his first Open championship. So I think his ownership looks to be pretty low. That could be a guy you could slot in a tournament lineup and he's shown that he can top 10 at a big event at a young age. So I really wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, top 10, top 20 here um, after after finishing 26 at the Scottish Open. My next one, Justin Rose. I feel like people would be picking him, but it doesn't seem like people are on him this week. He's had great open history at the Open Championship, 20th. His last time out, second the time before, 54th the time before, 22nd the time before that, and then 2015, sixth. So five made cuts in a row, two in the top ten, one was a runner-up. We haven't seen him play since the Travelers where he was 36th. U.S. Open, one 142nd place, absolutely terrible. But like I said with the U.S. Open... You can kind of throw those events out the window sometimes because you're eventually going to have guys that are in good form, good players, good at the big events, just finish outside of the top 100 just because of one bad round where you're kind of mentally out of it and you just shoot an 80 or something. So Justin Rose, eighth place at the PGA Championship. He's seventh place at the Masters kind of like the Will Zalatoris thing where it's like okay everybody's fresh in their mind with the U.S. Open a terrible terrible outing but his last two majors before that were top 10 so you know with the good event history here Justin Rose lower ownership in this area I think that's you know not I'm not putting him in any cash lineups but that's a great tournament play next one is Garrick Higo 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 he came over and won the Palmetto, missed two cuts after that, and then Rocket Mortgage was 41st. Um, I can't remember what his ownership was like, but he's, you know, he's had some success on the European Tour, has a win now on the PGA Tour in his second start ever. Um, so I don't think his ownership looks to be too high. But that's a high-risk, high-reward kind of play there. And then right below him, I didn't mention this at all, but Francesco Molinari won it in 2018, 11th in 2019. Um, U.S. Open, he was 13th. He's been really bad for most of the last you know two years or so. But he has shown glimpses, and he has done well here recently. So Molinari might be one to even throw in a GPP lineup because he's—I think he's only projected at like around four or five percent ownership. Uh, next GPP play: Alex Noren missed the cut last week at the John Deere's, traveling overseas, but. Uh, fourth place at the Rocket Mortgage before that. He's actually starting to show, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Out of his last eight events, 
Five of them have been top 25 finishes or better. So he he's had a rough go of it the last few years, but he's starting to hone it back in. And he's had 2019, 2018, 2017 at the Open Championship, all three of those finishes inside of the top 20. So he's, you know, pretty good form now. Looks to be getting back to what he looked like, you know, five, six years ago. And he seems to be comfortable in this big event. Alex Noren looks like he's being slept on a little bit here. But I do, I do feel there's a little bit of risk baked into that. So I, I'm not crazy about a cash play here. But I could see you doing a cash play as well with Alex Noren at 7,200, the way he's been playing lately. And then this one, you can kind of throw it out the window. But this is my Henrik Stenson is going to win an event on tour in the next I'm going to say year. Next year and I'm going to be I'm going to be in on that when he hits at 300 to 1 or 250 to 1. But he's finished outside of the top 100 in his last 3 events, but he plays well in the Open, 20th last time they played it, 35th, 11th, and he won the Open in 2016, 40th place the year before that. So last 5 times here top 40 or better. One win. Uh, you know, he's missed three straight cuts. He barely made the two ones before that. You know, maybe... I feel like this it's a huge risk tournament play, but, you know, if his ownership's 2%, you know, why not? But that's just my, my kind of taste right there. I can understand if people want to stay away from that. Eric Van Royen is my last GPP play right below... Henrik Stenson at both at seven thousand. Uh, tenth place at Palmetto, seventy second place at the U.S. Open. He missed four straight cuts before those two events. We haven't seen him since then, but his last two times, his only two times playing in the Open, both top twenty finishes. So I'm kind of banking on that. He has a top ten recently. He's played well in this event. Uh, kind of lower ownership. I feel like Eric Van Royen's always a guy that when he's down near the seven thousands, he just every once in a while he pops off and people love playing him. And people this week just don't seem to be on him. So that's why I kind of lean towards him this week for a tournament play. I'm gonna do something a little different this time around uh, because we're in the open. And there's a lot of foreigners here. So if you're filling out a DraftKings lineup or FanDuel, you start scrolling down, seeing a bunch of these names that you have no idea who they are. Don't. There's not a lot of information on these guys. But I'm going to rattle off a few guys that have had some success on, you know, on the PGA Tour, on the European Tour, are high in the rankings for the race to Dubai. Uh, so my foreign sleepers that I'm looking at, we're going to be top one, Robert McIntyre at 7,300. I got to scroll and find him now. Where am I at? There he is. 18th last week at the Scottish Open. He played the Open for the first time two years ago. Uh, sixth place finish there. 35th at the U.S. Open, 49th at the PGA Championship. Ownership doesn't look to be too high this week, but 
that seems like a great pick for 7,300. That's kind of a, I don't even know if he's really qualified as a sleeper with his, his kind of recent history in the sixth place finish. He's coming off of the last time they had the open. So Robert McIntyre, probably a good cash play, good GPP play. Next one is 6,800 Richard Bland. Wait a friggin' minute here. Oh, I forgot a guy. Guido Migliozzi, fourth place at the U.S. Open, 13th at the Travelers Championship the next week, 35th place last week. I forgot he's in here. Um, His price tag is... Guido, where you at? 7100 Awesome name, good run at the U.S. Open. I'm pretty sure he won me some money. I can't remember what I bet him on for, but I think it was a live bet to top 10. Yeah, it was a live bet to top 10 because his his tee to green was off the charts and his putting wasn't that great. So I bet him to top 10 live at the U.S. Open at, oh, what was the number? It was like 15 to 1 or maybe 10 to 1. Or something, end up finishing fourth. So Guido's in there. I forgot to put him in the the uh, right up here, but I might edit that when I'm done with this. Richard Bland at sixty eight hundred. Um, fifteenth place at the Scottish Open last week. Fourth place at the Irish Open. He played the Open Championship in two thousand seventeen. I don't know. That was his only time in the last six years he's played there, but 22nd place finish. Um, He's kind of good form. He's played well in this event before. Really good form when you think about it. So Richard Bland at 6,800 wouldn't be a bad one to tournament play. Lucas Hibbert, he is 6,800 as well, coming off of fourth place finish at the Scottish, Scottish Open. First place finish at the Irish Open. Before that, he went overseas to the Travelers Championship in America. 19th place finish. 18th place finish at the Memorial Tournament before that. Um, Very, very good form. And he's only 6,800. I feel like this is going to be a great week to go stars and scrubs because there is some guys, some lower ownership guys that are largely unheard of down here that are either in really good form or have played really well in this event before. So some of these names could really help you out in tournaments. Justin Harding, I believe South African, 6,500. He's another one of my foreign sleepers here. 23rd place at the Irish Open. Haven't seen a whole lot of him. 41st place the last time they had the Open. Um, he, this is getting a little dicier now that we're getting down, but he's another guy that, you know, if you are if you don't know any of these names down here and you only have 65, 66, 6,700 left to spend, Justin Harding might be a name you can click on. Jason Shriver. Where you at, buddy? 63, so we're diving even further down here. Missed the cut at the Scottish Open, but top 10 at the Irish Open before that, and then 
23rd at the PGA Championship. So that's kind of another, I mean, I wouldn't trust him in a cash lineup at all, but 6,300 for a guy that in his last major championship was 23rd two events ago, two weeks ago, top 10. Not crazy at 6,300. And then Johannes Veerman, back-to-back top 10s. He was 8th at the Scottish Open, 3rd at the Irish Championship. You know, that's a good enough reason right there to roll the dice on somebody that's 6,100 in a, in a tournament play. And then last but not least, but probably least, Ricard Carlberg missed the cut last week at the Scottish Open, but finished runner-up at the Irish Open the week before that. I don't know who this is. I probably should, but he played at the Open in 2016, 2015, so this might be an older guy. He missed both of those cuts. But uh, you never know in these kind of events with experience and He's coming off of a one of his last two finishes being a runner-up. So, you know, if you're really feeling frisky, 6,000, Ricard Carlberg. I don't know if that's pronounced right at all. Now I'm going to do a last little grouping here of the best scramblers in case weather gets dicey and you're like, okay, who's, who's going to get frisky with me in the scrambling department? couple of these guys I've already named before. Louis Oosthuizen, great scrambler. These are all guys that are top 25 this year in scrambling. Louis one of them, 9,300. Patrick Cantley, I think, is second, 8,900. Patrick Reed, 8,800. He is maybe 22nd. I'm doing this all by memory, so I could be off on these. But you can check my spreadsheets and look at these later, but I'll just go through them. Just to kind of rattle off some guys. Webb Simpson, who I've named before first. Jason Day, good short game, good scrambler. Always a threat to WD from injury, but this is a major, so hopefully that wouldn't be a problem. But he could be a good tournament play, good scrambler. I think he's in the teens. I can't remember. Abraham Answer, uh, 7,700 for Jason Day, 7,600 for Abraham Answer. Harris English, already named him. Russell Henley is, I think, ninth, 7,200. Ian Poulter, already named him, 7,200. Brian Harmon, looks like he's getting a lot of love this week. He's playing great lately. Great scrambler, 7,100. I don't know what I'd do with that. I think people are picking him because of his form and in the scrambling. But Matt Jones is going to be... Lower ownership, great scrambler, 6,800. Cameron Tringali doing great at scrambling this year. I want to say 12th, uh, 6,800. Taylor Gooch, really good scrambling this year, and he was a really good tee to green guy. That could be a frisky one at 6,600. Chris Kirk, he is as low priced as he is at 6,400. It looked like he was getting some love at like 3% ownership or something. So people are picking Chris Kirk, and he is a great scrambler. So I think people are kind of on that that theme, I guess, for this week. But my bets, what I'm looking at here, um, let me take a drink of beer here. Oh, that's 
delicious. Drinking Modelo with lime in it. I don't know if that's because I watch a bunch of UFC and they just kind of tricked me into drinking this beer, but I love Modelo. I'm going to take another sip real quick. UFC. I don't know if anybody here watched the pay-per-view, but the Connor breaking his ankle. I just saw the replay. Joe Rogan showed it in slow motion. It was right before Connor's ankle snapped on the ground and he fell down. He threw a straight up kick that hit, I want to say, Poirier's forearm. And that's when his ankle broke. He put it down on the ground and you could see him kind of feeling it out, feeling it out, being real tentative with it. You can kind of see in his head he's going, uh-oh, this doesn't feel right. And then that's when he throws the punch, reels back a little bit, and it snaps and rolls over. So I thought it was the check earlier in the fight where Connor threw one, a cab kick, or it looked like it was going to hit the thigh. Poirier went up to block it, hit the knee. And that's when Poirier pointed at his leg. And I think that's when um, everybody was thinking that, oh, he fractured it there. And maybe Connor did fracture it at that point when, when Poirier looked at it. And then Connor threw another kick right away, almost as if to say, like, no, my leg's fine. Don't even look at it. And then later on in the fight, I saw the one where Rogan replayed it because somebody pointed it out to him and showed him the video. You could see Connor kick straight up into Poirier and it hit, I think he blocked it with like forearm or something so it's something weird where it's like you wouldn't think this would break but it hit just right at the right angle and the right um, force to it and you could see his ankle kind of go just fold a little bit and it looked like ooh, it might be broken right there but what a terrible way to end that night because it just felt like this was finally you're going to get some closure on who's the better fighter and then you just have a freak snapped ankle. And it, there was just so much built up to it. And okay, we'll get back to golf. But that was, that was I could go off for another hour on UFC. And I want to start doing like live UFC while I'm watching it. Or, or do some preview stuff. Because I do a decent amount of digging in. But I would love to do like a video or a podcast of the preview of the fights and give backgrounds of the fighters and everything in case people wanted to like really understand what they're betting on or where some value is and everything. But I've been terrible at UFC picks. It's usually I'm, I'm really bad at UFC picks and then I have one really good week where I make it all back. Uh, but I've been bad ever since I started posting picks the last couple months so it looks like I'm an idiot with those but the PFL fights the Bellator fights I've been really good at and kind of not really making it even at that point but finding value there and I just need to be more selective with the USC I like when I'm watching UFC fights I like having skin in the game on every single fight so even if I don't see a lot of value I just want something to happen I'll bet on it or I'll like post it in the picks but I shouldn't be doing that in the picks I should just make you know, three or four of the best picks of the night instead of just pr trying to get action on everything. So I got to start toning that back a little bit. But that would be ideal if I could do um, pre-fight stuff or during the fights, just doing a watch party kind of thing. But we'll work to that. Let's get back to golf here. My bets for this week in golf, 
I went off the rails. I'm taking another drink of beer here. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that if I'm going off the rails, but it's too good. First winner I'm picking, Dustin Johnson, 18 to 1 odds. Um, my value from the odds, I pull the odds off of DraftKings, the value that I'm seeing. I see a lot of weird value that I don't love. Guys, middle of the road guys that I, it's like Harris English and other guys that pop up near the top of that. Where it's like, I don't. But Colin Morikawa was another guy that popped up. I think he was like 30-1 to 1 to win it, which I don't hate that one. But I don't want to bet middle-of-the-road guys that just seem like good values. But they're good value because they'll win. Um, they'll win like the, the Wells Fargo tournament or something. So then they pop up as good value later on. It's, I want guys that can win the Open Championship. So I'm going... Real simple at first, Dustin Johnson, 18 to 1. I think he opened at like 20 to 1 or 22 to 1 in certain books, and people have been betting that down a little bit, and clearly so, because he shouldn't be that far back in terms of odds. So I went Dustin Johnson. I feel like every time I bet him, he does terrible. So that might be a fade for this week for everybody else, but that's what I'm rolling with. And then Henrik Stenson, that's my FOMO bet, 250 to 1. And I think he's he he would be in this a major, he would be like 400 to 1 or something. But just because he plays well in this event, typically, he's to 250 to 1. My top 10s, Tony Finau, 4 to 1. Webb Simpson, 5.5 to 1. Uh, guys that have played well in this event, they were my cash plays. They missed a couple back-to-back -back cuts coming into this event. And I think that's why their odds are a little longer than what they should be. So that's why I feel like there's some value there. And that's that's what my projections show anyways, where it's like uh, DraftKings might be weighing those last two events too much because they should be, you know, Tony Finau, 300 to 1 instead of or three to one instead of four to one. And same thing with Webb Simpson. He should be four to one instead of five and a half to one. Top twenty and top forty, I'm going with my foreign value guys because I feel like again DraftKings just isn't as experienced in this department as they should be. And they just don't weigh the foreign guys because they either don't think people bet the foreign guys or they don't or they just people haven't so far, but people will learn. Guido, Migliozzi, uh, sounds like something out of The Godfather. He's a hitman. Guido Migliozzi, betting him top 20 and top 40, 5.5 to 1, 2.25 to 1, top 40. Richard Bland, 6.5 to 1, top 20, 2.5 to 1, top 40. And then Johannes Veerman, 14 to 1, top 20. 5-1 to one to top 40. I feel like that's pretty good value, especially because these guys play overseas all the time. They're used to traveling a little bit, different countries. And um, I just feel like people either aren't betting them, so DraftKings has them at longer odds than they should be, or DraftKings just says says that, and they're a little, you know, not quite as experienced as they need to be. First round leader bets, Rory McIlroy, 30 to 1. I think I bet him first round leader in every single tournament 
that he's been in this year. Haven't hit him yet. He's 30 to 1. Dude's going to get, maybe not, I don't know what would get it at this course. Um, let me hop into my first round leader tab here. It's going to show me for the different courses, obviously, and not. Um, hold on. Hold on. Actually, let's while I'm in here, I'll I'll okay. So 2019, I'll do this live betting. I usually like to look at this for live betting purposes because I think you can really find an edge on the books because they don't really weigh this too much. But you look at event history or specifically course history, and you can find some um some edge to the live betting where Shane Lowry. Uh, two years ago when they had the open the last time was one back of the first round leader and won it. Uh, the year before that, uh, the winner was four back and won it. The year before that, let's see, who was 2018? I'm going to have to look at that. 2018, Molinari won it. 2017, Spieth won it. 2016, Stenson won it. And then Zach Johnson won it in 2015. But um, 2018, four off of the lead in the first round and won it. And then Stenson, or no, Spieth went wire to wire first round leader and won it. Stenson was three off of the lead after the first round and won it. And then Zach Johnson was one off of the lead first round and won it. Um, so what it looks like to me is you're just not going to see somebody shoot two over and then end up winning this tournament. You have to consistently get off to a good good start, uh, which is probably going to be, let's see, First round leader was 66 in 2019, 66, 2018, 65, Spieth and Kucher and somebody else in 2017. Phil Mickelson, 63, I think that's kind of a little bit out there, 2016. Um, that's not going to happen too much in 65, so you're going to see... First round leader, I, I guess it, it's all going to depend on the course conditions, but let's say first round leader is at seven under. You're probably not going to see an eight or a nine under in the first round. And it could be, you know, well, this is a par 70, so, you know, you could see a six under be the first round leader. Um... So, where was I going with all this? Only one of the last five years at the Open Championship has there been only one there has been a tie for first round leader. So you're going to see probably a, you know, a six under first round leader and then most other guys are going to be, you know, maybe 
one or two guys at five under and then you know three guys at four under it's gonna be it's gonna be one guy has an incredible round typically here and that's only gonna be you know six under and then everybody else just hangs on so if you're gonna win it and you're looking at live leaders to be four back of that you know two under if you're not getting off to a good start, it's hard. You because this course, you're not gonna see eight unders. You're not gonna see seven unders that somebody shoots in the second or third round that just pulls them right up to the top. So if you're betting live leaders, you're probably gonna want to get in somewhat early on guys that you know just get off to a pretty good start or just kind of hold their own there. So those are that's kind of just a little. Yeah, it might be hard to follow there a little bit, but that's that's how I do my first round leader um in live betting stuff. Rory McElroy, 30 to 1, Sergio 66 to 1, Russell Henley 80 to 1, Keegan Bradley 100 to 1. Those are my first round leader bets uh for this week. And it's not I mean Keegan can really go low if his putter gets hot. He's so good ball striking Russell Henley um when he gets hot he gets hot and he's a really good scrambler so if the conditions are bad I kind of have him in there for that uh, Sergio Rory's obviously just a monster and if his if his putter's rolling and everything's clicking he's one of the best if not like the best player in the world Sergio Garcia he just popped on some of my the the metrics that I use for first strong leader bet so that's why I'm picking him here as well. Uh, those are it for my bets. I don't have any head to head matchups or three ball matchups, tournament matchup stuff that I haven't looked into those. It's still only Monday. I don't usually do those. Don't get posted till later on anyways. Till the pairings are announced and whatnot. So I will possibly tweet some some ones that I really like out once I see those and kind of run those through my projections and everything. Uh, and there was one thing that I was really getting big into was DraftKings, I noticed. And I, oh, I shouldn't say this on the podcast because I don't know if they're going to flip back to this or not, but. It's not like millions of people are listening to this thing. Oh, there's a kid. I'm watching the Home Run Derby, and they're they're carrying a kid off the field that's limping. Oh, you knew that was going to happen at some point. One of these kids was going to get hurt shagging balls in the outfield. But what was I getting at there? Okay, <clears throat> DraftKings would have round one, round two, you know, whatever round matchups, and their ties would always be plus 800. So that throws a red flag to me uh, because if you have, you know, something that should vary at least a little bit there and it's always the same number, there is 1,000% going to be some value if you can uh, dig into those a little bit. So I would go, I would find, run it through my simulations and stuff and find the matchups in DraftKings that are the most likely to tie and the implied odds that are plus 800 
for their ties was 11%. And when I would go through the every round at different tournaments, it would kind of fluctuate between 10% and 7%. So they're covering their butts already going to 11% and they think they're fine there. But you're going to have some variance where maybe the average is 8.5% of ties occur in any given round. But you're going to have, you know, a Dustin Johnson and um, I don't want to pick on anybody, but, a, you know, one of the top guys versus one of the bottom guys, the chance that they tie on any given week in a round, in a certain round, isn't going to be anywhere near that 8.5%. It's going to be down at, you know, 3% or something. So that means that there's going to be, if the average is 8.5%, then there's going to be certain matchups of guys that are like 15% likelihood that they're going to tie. So if the implied odds on DraftKings is 11%, and you're finding these the matchups that are closer to the 15%, I was parlaying those. I was taking six parlayed and doing a round robin. So all I had to do was, you know, you hit, you hit two ties out of six, and you make up more than make up your money for that round robin betting. But if you hit three, if you hit four, if you hit five on a on a let's say it six what was it? It was like a six pick round robin, which is highly unlikely that this would happen a six six pick parlay even if the implied odds are 11 percent and you have it at 15 percent it's still going to be very unlikely that that parlay hits but it's more likely than what the odds imply so over time you're going to be making money with this strategy but if it, you put like i don't know if it was like 10 cents down on this six pick parlay you could make fifty thousand dollars so i was doing that um and i did it for two weeks or so on DraftKings. And then all of a sudden I noticed DraftKings, I don't know if they did it on purpose and other people like me were doing this and and actually winning. I was I only did it for two weeks. I didn't hit it yet. But eventually if you do that strategy and you're you're right with your calculations, you're gonna win more than more than you're gonna lose. And you could potentially win big. Uh, but DraftKings took it off and you couldn't bet the ties anymore. Other I looked at other um, sports books too and it looked like they didn't have ties either it was like points bet they would have seven instead of plus 800 it was plus 775 plus 750 plus 800 so they fluctuated a little bit um oh we got a winner to the home run derby all right that was fun but yeah, they I I I don't know if it was just because it was the John Deere Classic. Um, and maybe they'll fix it, or they, because the John Deere Classic nobody was playing in it, so maybe the odds were a little bit different this time around. Some of the bet options were different, or maybe uh, you know, they changed the formatting on their website or their app. And it just took those odds out of it and they're going to get back to it or they're going to get back to it for the bigger event with more guys in it. 
but I'm kind of pissed that I missed out on that because I would have if I had known they'd take it off, and I didn't have I would have bet way more into it because just the odds were way better than they should have been to tie. So we'll that'll be something to monitor. And I'll probably tweet that out again in the coming weeks and let anybody know if I have success with that method. But if you ever see a book for ties or for for any outcomes that should be different, like Dustin Johnson tying. Um, Joe Schmo in in any given round is very low odds and then some other guy tying some other guy and they're both pretty equal golfers and that's the same odds as the is the 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 other the other one then you know that something's up with that and you can make some money off of it you just got to really kind of look into the numbers a little bit and think about it um but that's it for this week. I'll probably, you know, I'm going to be real busy this weekend, be out of town and working late, probably Wednesday, Thursday, and then maybe even Friday too a little bit. But I'm going to be tweeting, I'm going to be watching the action, and then if I see any any matchups or any numbers that are that are wrong, any live betting that looks like it's good value, I'll be tweeting that stuff out, so look for that. Um Thanks for listening this week. I kind of I started off on a really good pace and then I just went off the rails and it didn't you know went a little bit longer than I would have liked it to especially cuz I was kind of rushing this one so I didn't think I'd have much to talk about this week cuz I usually do them on like a Tuesday or Wednesday but I did it on Monday instead cuz I was going to be busier this week. But this is this is it. Let's you know, let's have a good week. Let's win some money. Um and again, I think the biggest thing to emphasize this week, keep watching guys that go through COVID protocol that are traveling. I feel like we're going to see some weird stuff going on with a lot of guys hopping from country to country that aren't used to doing this for events, going to different countries and stuff. So I think we're going to run into some snags, and then that's really going to open up some value for uh, you know daily fantasy sports stuff. Well, good luck, everybody, this week. I hope you win some money. Let's get after it.